0: Welcome to the Wharton Podcast here of Wharton Moneyball. We're going to be talking to John Sears, special advisor to the LA Dodgers. We're going to be talking about the state of the art of analytics in baseball, the time he spent in basketball, the differences between the two, the kind of statistical models and machine learning models they're fitting today, and most importantly, the kind of problems they're addressing in baseball. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome, Welcome to Wharton Moneyball, our show where sports and statistics and business all collide together. This is Eric Barabno, Professor of Marketing and Statistics, and I'm hosting today with my friend, colleague, nine-year collaborator, Professor of Statistics, Adi Weiner. Some combination of us, Cade Massey and Shane Jensen, are here every week on Wharton Moneyball. Uh, We're thrilled to be joined by John Sears. Uh, John is a special advisor for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sorry, John, but you're here with two Yankees fans. But whatever, we got to work for somebody. Uh, John is responsible for, and I love this quote, up-leveling the quality of the team's quantitative models, advising on strategy and recruiting talent, Uh, prior to the Dodgers, he worked for the, our home team, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And most recently as VP, as VP of basketball analytics. And he also spent time in the tech industry at Uber and Motive, where he led data science and analytics functions. And he has a not surprising background for given what he does. He has a BS in computer science from Carleton College and MS in OR from Stanford. Um, John, with that long intro. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited to talk.
0: There's so many things we could talk to you about, but let's maybe just start from the beginning. What do you do for the Dodgers? And how do you see the analytics function playing a role within a sports organization?
1: I'll give you the first answer first and then do the second. So sure. what I do really is is help to get deep on our models. Um, I am effectively a super senior individual contributor, so I'm in there helping to write code and specify, debug, uh, iterate upon models day to day. Um, you know, basically pick the top couple ones in terms of leverage and yeah, work with our full-time uh, ICs on that kind of stuff. And yeah, so it's it's really um, a, a big piece is deeply technical. You know, I do, we do kind of, bi-weekly research talks. I give a bunch of feedback at that point. Um, and then yeah, I'm, I'm actually contributing day to day in some of our in some of our model development. The other big piece is, yeah, advising on strategy, going deep on trying to understand you know sort of the pros and cons of uh, player, deci- player personnel decisions, in-game tactics, that kind of stuff based off of sort of especially the quant models that our group has built. You know, in terms of like interpretation, trying to understand the domains over which they'll be valid, that kind of stuff, and then the third piece is is really recruiting you know it's it's the way to, it's the it's the way to have the most long term leverage uh I think in my role is just to help us stock the pond with amazing talent and so yeah, that's kind of that's my day to day it's it's sort of an interesting role, and I don't know that there's so many other folks in the industry doing this, but I think that's one of the cool things about the Dodgers is to sort of segue into the other pieces like from an organizational standpoint, um, yeah. How did, like really like how do we make decisions? Well, we we try to we try to build up sort of uh, domain expertise from a variety of lenses. So you think about that in terms of uh, scouting. So you'll have amateur scouts who are highly devoted to to understanding like high school players and projecting them into the future, college players, et cetera. Pro scouting, um, typically regional based. Uh, international, and then we have folks who are looking at data all day. Um, so that's you know my team that I'm most closely associated with is the quant group. Um, we build models to try to understand things that we can't directly observe from data. We have a, a sort of a more typical analytics team that's doing really ad hoc deep dives on particular decision points that we face. Uh, we have a sp- sports science group you know trying to work with player performance to help to improve things like mechanics and repeatability of motion Uh, and then we have like bedrock engineering groups uh, to build all the sort of the infrastructure upon which all these other functions are 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 built and so yeah that's kind of the like the whirlwind tour to front office of uh of our team and i think a lot of the top teams in baseball yeah
0: Before I turn it over to Adi, he and I will probably alternate here. Um, I find it interesting that it's not surprising to me that you have an engineering group that supports all three. That's quite common. It is surprising to me, maybe a little bit, that there are three groups. Like one group is more of a let's call it statistical modeling group. One is an analytics group, and you know uh, I forget what the third group was. Maybe there's a sports science. Yes, sports science. That in some sense they're not. Well, I think it's extremely sophisticated that there are three groups all touching on the use of data and empirical models.
1: Yeah, you know... (laughs) it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a luxury to have this kind of setup. Um, I've been in organizations where it was just a quote unquote analytics group. And, you know, right. who are the people doing data engineering, writing, you know, R scripts or Python uh, functions to pull an XML data off of a an FTP server on the league office. And they're the ones doing uh matchup analysis for understanding like player A versus player B. And they're the ones building the, you know, Bayesian hierarchy. Hierarchical model is to try to infer latent talent and like to find expertise, uh, co-occurring in all of those domains is impossible. And so you end up with a lot of frustration and, or, I mean, or typically both, uh, along with just like not quite as good of a product as you could have. And so, yeah, we, we've invested pretty heavily in specialization, um, which I think has, has been amazing. And, you know, the truth is you guys are, uh, not just sports people, like, this is super common in industry. I've been at like yeah various tech companies, and you know what data scientists hate the most is having to pull away from their modeling work in order to answer some yeah. sales VP's random question about like last month's average blah 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 per yada yada. And so yeah, I think the the Dodgers and this is this way precedes me. They they really understood that pretty early on, and Andrew Friedman, our team president, kind of. Constructed this organizational structure.
2: Yeah, so I actually would like to try to make it a little bit more concrete for not only for Eric and I, but also for our listeners. You, know, I mean, you talk about modeling, and and you actually give us a kind of a big overview. There's very basic modeling re- related to say day to day stuff. The coaches want to know matchup, and they got to play this player, they got to play that player, they got to bring this pitcher depending on the situation. I've seen a lot, a lot of teams invest heavily in that. And then you talk about sort of big picture things that you might think of Bayesian hierarchical modeling or some sort of uh, project that you'd you'd like to think of in the long-term. Can you be maybe a little bit more specific for us to to give us maybe two baseball questions um, that that illustrate those differences? Um, And also talk about like maybe in the Dodgers, how much do they devote to those big picture problems? And are they different from teams, other teams who I think for the most part don't have the resources?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you are... Correctly calling me a little bit on my uh, my use of the term modeling, I think you know it's very fair to say like any sort of statistical uh, uh, interpretation of data is modeling, right? And so like I think it's 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 completely reasonable to say yes, like the, for the the folks on the analytics side uh, who are doing let's say like a, a t test over some ad hoc uh, question that that is modeling, and I don't mean to like pull away from that. Um, I think of it more as maybe I should I should probably call it predictive modeling or sort of you know latent inference, something like that. That we have a gr- group devoted to that and a group devoted to deep diving on ad hoc decision making. So let's give some examples. So on the quant side, one of the things we and every other team in the world spends a lot of effort and energy on is trying to understand uh, player talent and make projections about the future, right? And so, you know how exactly we want to characterize that sort of is for every team is a little bit of a secret sauce, but at a high level, you want to try to understand like in baseball, how well will this player do versus let's say this batter do versus right handed pitchers or versus left handed pitchers next year, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. Um, Or in the case of even like, you know, high school players who are evaluating seven to 10 years from now when they're ostensibly peaking, Um, that's the kind of model that like the quant group tries to work on is so both understand this, this latent like skill, which is, you know, ability to hit right-handed and left-handed batters. And by the way, there's correlation there and you can start to, you know, we can all begin to sort of, uh, get the taste for like the really fun structural modeling choices that you have to make in order to sort of capture as much, uh, of the signal that you can from the, the extremely small amount of data that we get. Um, and then. Yeah, uh, project like so. Yeah, it's basically like that aspect of like how do you characterize their talent now based on everything you've known, and how do you try to project it into the future? So that's the domain of the quant stuff.
2: So John, one of the things that's really developed in in uh, baseball, in all sports, but baseball particularly, is the access of high high quality. Um, we call it just general, just a general rubric tracking data, not necessarily yes. where the where the where the players are, but also the balls and how far they go and what angle. And and you're getting this at, at, at probably at different levels of uh performance, not just in the major leagues, but also in the minors and also in collegiate. And you're probably getting it from the Dominican Republic maybe in some capacity. Um my I guess my question is if I were to try to say pro- project baseball talent, latent baseball talent into the future against your right handers, whatever it is, using just what I observe. Um, how far off would I be compared to what the experts who have that access to the data? How much juice are you getting from all that, that good stuff that the public doesn't get?
0: And by the way, before you answer, John, let me just say, this is why we're also a business show, because this is what we always talk about, the value of information, right? One of the most traditional statistical problems, which is how much is that data set worth? Like, should I be buying it? Should I be tracking it? How much value is it? Or how much does the um, the person without the full information, the academic, like Adi and I, don't have that you, meaning you no. have all this rich data, do have.
2: You know, and leaves, it leaves us as, as fans. That's the best part about our job, is we get to be kind of somewhat experts, but also fans. And we get to watch our teams make decisions, and we sometimes scratch our head going, based on what I'm able to see, I don't, that doesn't make sense, yet they're doing it, and either they're dumb, or they have something that we don't have. And that's basically my, my question. What do you got? And how does it, what yeah. does it add?
1: So I want to say one thing off the front, which is that I don't think any team is fully extracting even 50% of the value that is contained within the tracking data, right? Like if you think of this in terms of like a, like a metric tons of information, there's a, a lot in it. It's not as much as you like, right? Like there's a ton of serial correlation in like the movement of a player or ball through space, right? So it's, you don't actually get 300 gigabytes per game or whatever in the way that you would from, let's say like a bunch of visits to a homepage or something, but it, it it's, it's a ton and I don't think anyone's doing well. And that's why there is remains a, an arms race to find people who can operate upon it and help to extract that data. So like, you know, cheap call out we're hiring. If, if that kind of uh, investigative modeling work is up your alley, please reach out, you know, uh, JC is at LA Uh, but no, I think So there's a two part answer, which is like, number one, I don't think that all the teams are fully getting the value out of it. So there remains less of a gulf between, let's say, play by play data and box score data with some, you know, whatever else is public uh, and a fully loaded tracking data driven model. They're like, you're going to have, I don't know, like, let's call it like 80 to 90% correlation or something like that, maybe somewhere in that range. Um, I do think, though, at the at the bleeding edge, the the four or five teams ish that are really going after it are are finding pretty material discrepancy in like, and all it takes is a few number of false positives eliminated or true positives identified for it to be a, a really good decision. So you talk about ROI, it's like, okay, you know, what does this data set cost? And these things range into the low millions of dollars per year. Uh, But what is the sort of the distribution of potential uh, return? And it, you know, it's certainly skewed. But like, if you get again, like if you make one of those good decisions off of it, that can save you thirty million dollars over three years.
0: Uh, We're here talking to John Sears. John is a special advisor to the LA Dodgers, responsible for, and I'm going to use steal this quote: "Up loving, up loving." The, level, the quality of the team's quantitative models. He also advises on team strategy and of course, recruiting talent. And he also gave out his email address for those that want to reach out, Sears at ladodgers.com. Um, what I'd like to work talk about next, John, is what you did prior to coming to uh, the Dodgers, which is work that you did from the Sixers and Timberwolves. Now, one of the things Adi and I, I don't know if we pride ourselves on, but I think we believe we could make some contribution to any sports team, assuming we do have some substantive knowledge We have knowledge of statistics. Maybe let me, it's a two-part question. Let me start with the first part. Where do you see, I think we all agree, given our show is Moneyball, probably analytics started in baseball, really what we would call analytics prior to it starting really in basketball. Where do you see the level of analytics and sophistication in the NBA versus the MLB today?
1: Yeah, uh, there remains a huge difference. I would say I got my start in basketball nearly 10 years ago about 10 years ago um and at that point the biggest staffs were like five or six now over that time it's grown to maybe 10 i think you know your hometown sixers i think have around 10 people-ish doing that um in baseball though it's 50 you know like the top teams are really 5x larger you know probably uh yeah more than 5x more sophisticated in terms of the extraction of of outcomes from it because it's, it's, by the way, it's not just how many data people do you have, right? It's like, how well integrated are they into the decision process? exactly So I think baseball is, is, is way ahead. And like, when I was started with the Timberwolves, that was really what we aimed to do was effectively like, well, the way we pitched ownership was that we want to build the Tampa Bay Rays of the NBA, which is, you know, the Rays are one of the smallest payroll teams in baseball, but they have one of the largest, uh, analytics staffs, if you want to call it that R&D staffs, and you just uh, have fully devoted organizational uh, sort of power to, to like really extracting all of the value that they can out. And it's, it's worked remarkably well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there remains a huge opportunity to, to go after it, to go after that kind of uh, thesis in the NBA. I don't know the NFL as well. I can say that, you know, we were talking to a, Ph.D. from one of the better NFL teams a couple of years ago about coming over. And he was one of two people uh, at this, you know, perennial playoff teams uh analytics staff. And so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think football is very hard for many reasons, but I would guess that, you know, a really principled chief executive who decided to go after it could see pretty big returns over a, a, you know, three to five year span.
2: In your years of being in basketball and just looking at it, even from where you sit now, what are the stuff that is from the inside that analytics have helped with um, and changed basketball that you wouldn't obviously see from just watching on TV?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, ultimately in the end, there's two groups of decisions, right? There's personnel decisions and in-game strategy decisions. So I think on the in-game strategy, I, I would, push back on the thing about threes because like, yeah, it's, it's trivial. However, for all many, many years, a less than efficient number of threes were shot. And so to have the organizational backbone that Houston really had in pushing for that is, is admirable. And it, you know, it, it took a bunch of really smart people to do so. Um, yeah, but was, so, was that a management
2: yeah. problem or was that an analytics? I mean, I would view that almost as a managerial of problem rather than an analytics question.
1: I think to, I think it's an analytics question in that Daryl and those folks had the conviction to push for it. You know, every other chief executive of every team has probably well, I don't even want to say that. Some of them have uh, probably had an inkling in the back of their head that like it, they weren't shooting enough threes, but none of them were strong enough, uh, had a strong enough belief in themselves or belief in their analysis to, to, to force the force, the, not even the force, but like to convince the coach to to do that. Because by the way, I don't think Daryl like just, you know, hey, you have to shoot more threes. Like I'm sure he was able to win the argument via, you know, uh, principal argumentation. Um, but yeah, I think the, the evidence that nobody else did it is strong that like that was a, an analysis question. Because if, if you were, you know, everybody here would pick up a $2 bill on the street rather than a $1 bill, right? But like, Nobody else in basketball was picking up the two dollar bills, so yeah, I think. So, that, so, th- so th- yep. that's on. The, another example, I think, on the in-game strategy, tactic stuff is is lineups. I think that teams put a lot of effort into understanding uh, what will be advantageous lineups sort of structurally, and they use a lot of data to do that. You get into a lot of issues with that, And so that's where it comes into like you know doing. Well principled ad hoc statistical analysis is pretty important. You you certainly build models too, but um, they're they're so important that especially in the playoffs, like you're doing a lot of a lot of sort of yeah ad hoc uh, deep dives there. Um, yeah, and then uh, on the personnel side, I think it plays out in a couple areas. So like one is the draft. You know that's probably the single biggest one. Um, yeah, every team has draft models. Most of them are modestly better than like i'd say like you know sort of uh historical average draft quality i'd bet but few of them have been able to convince their decision makers to follow them and i think it's it's a really funny uh sort of dynamic where yeah this has been a market inefficiency for many years and yet it hasn't corrected itself um yeah i think uh the other one is player personnel um that one has gone i think that like you know when we were in philly we had Robert Covington, and he was a a G League player. We picked him up. He did really. He, we thought he did really well, uh, but we were on a ten win team, <laughs> so you know I'm not sure the league did. But his his uh, his adjusted plus minus type metrics were always very strong, and that got him paid by you know the next regime after we all left, as well as. trade value over the years he's been traded multiple times for like you know once for jimmy butler along with a package once for a couple first round picks so like the fact that the league caught up to robert covington despite him like not always passing the eye test i think is, is pretty good evidence that this type of uh of modeling has infiltrated people's understanding and is is getting traded off of
0: So, John, let me ask you in the last minute or two that we have, let me ask you one final question. Let's imagine it's 2028, so it's five years from now, and the three of us are still sitting here. And trust me, Adi and I still plan on being here doing the radio show. It's five years from now. We're doing Morton Moneyball, and we're interviewing, you say, John, remember when you were back with us in 2023? Um, We asked you, what do you think will be happening in the world of, let's call it for now, baseball analytics in the next five years? What are you most excited about? What are either the problems, the data or the new statistical methods that are coming into baseball that's going to kind of wow us as we think going forward?
1: So I, it's, I hate to always do this, but it's two things. One is there's, there's this sort of uh, secular trend towards generative AI, right? Everybody, all of us have played with ChatGPT, GPT and most of us were blown away by it the first time. And so, A, what does that unlock, right? Like, I think there's simple ones, uh, that we can all kind of port over mentally but like what are the second order things that are now enabled by a thing that's able to be 90% or 110% of human reasoning over a you know a context window of 10,000 to 100,000 tokens uh the second piece is as we talked about earlier is just the this inundation with tracking data as it's it's gone as you said like both uh higher quality at the pro level so we have 300 hertz skeletal tracking data so like you know 30-ish landmarks on every player's body um the ball etc at 300 ticks per second so like what can you do with that and then we talked about it too in organ across levels like as you start to get tracking data down into the minor leagues and the uh, college leagues and you know at some point i'm sure somebody's going to figure out a way to set up a stereoscopic array of like iphones in the outfield of high school stadiums and like We're going to have good X, Y, perhaps better uh, data at like every single level possible. So like, what does that unlock and how can we build models off it? And so, yeah, that's, that's really, I think the the two big frontiers coming up uh, that remain, you know, and I'm sure something, I'm sure something new will come online too. Um, But yeah, those are the ones that right now. I think have like a ton of juice to be squeezed.
0: Well, John, we'd like to thank you for joining us on Wharton Moneyball, sharing us your current experience with the Dodgers, your work in the NBA, the differences between the two and what's coming forward. So thank you again for joining us on Wharton Moneyball.
1: Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun.
0: That has been uh, our show today. Uh, On behalf of myself and Adi Weiner, we'd like to thank you for joining us between now and next week. Enjoy your sports, enjoy your statistics. We will see you next week here on Wharton Moneyball.